0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong.
1: Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong. I usually say I'm here with Mary Lucas, but she's not physically here with me today. She is with us remotely. Mary, how are you doing?
2: Doing well. Thanks for uh, chiming me in from the from the remote locations. It feels weird not to be in the studio though. Just. Um but being at home, hiding from the dogs, actually, <laughs> so they don't bark on the show. They they really wanted to be a part of this morning show.
1: You know, maybe they'll get a cameo later on. But uh, we we'll, we'll call it the the Mary Lucas personal studio that you have set up there, which is in fact your car. But um, thanks for bearing with us. You know, sometimes we got to do these things remotely, and that's how we're going to make it happen today. And today we've got a wonderful show lined up, and we're going to begin talking about something that um, is not always on the top of mind, but it, it probably should be. It's very important. We're going to be talking about fall risks and common causes for falls, and this is something that, as we spend more time with our loved ones, we certainly should be aware of, and we are very pleased to welcome on to the show Channing Pizzuto. And Channing is the Director of Community Relations for Always Best Care Senior Services. Channing, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Jason. And thank you, Mary. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you guys about this, this very important topic um,
2: that needs you know, more attention and more awareness in our community. I couldn't agree more. You know, my grandfather, I, I talk about him a bit on the show. He's on hospice with us and he was at home in independent living and, um, and getting around just fine. And um, a few weeks ago, he took a fall trying to get to the restroom um, late at night and wasn't wearing his grippy socks is what he uh, attributes this fall to um, but it really set him back. Um, it, it, it I was a little bit shocked you know you hear about falls being kind of a quote tipper event and people making a decline after a fall and it was um, shocking to me how much of a decline it took um, losing his strength and all these things so I think it's a really important topic that we're Talking about today, so Channing, maybe we start out with what are some common causes for falls in seniors?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you and Jason kind of said it best. So Jason mentioned that this is a topic that you know should be at the forefront of everyone's mind, um, and that you and your family members were shocked that this was something that that took place um, very close to home uh, with your grandfather. So that's something that. As a role in the community with seniors, I want to I want to bring this to the forefront of everybody's mind. Um, we do think, oh, you know, we we hear about falls in the home. We we know that this is a possibility, but that's that's not going to happen to my loved one. Um, so more or less, just having that tough conversation with your family members and yourself, and saying, okay, though though we feel like this is something that that probably won't happen to us let's have all of our resources in order um, and let, let's kind of change our mindset on falls that let, let's hope it doesn't happen but know that it, it's very very well possible that it can happen um so some of our major um, reasons for falls in the home um that we like to talk about is impaired vision with some of our seniors. Um, you know, as we age, um, we have some of our seniors who are exper- experiencing, cataracts, glaucoma, just age related decline in their vision. Um, so going to the eye doctor regularly, uh, making sure our glasses are up to the right prescription. We're really just being proactive in all costs about, um, making sure that there's adequate lighting in the home, Um, anything that can become in the way of a natural path throughout the home is very important. So home hazards such as furniture that is not necessarily placed in in proper places, carpets throughout the home that pose a huge tripping and fall hazard. Um, that truthfully is one thing that we see very often in the home of some of our, our elderly clients. Um, so something very important is through family members and current individuals who live in the home is just taking a walk through the home and really assessing okay can can this desk be placed somewhere else does it have to be in a true walkway of where we're walking through this this avenue every day at least 10 times a day and this isn't the best place for this anymore um something else to, a, a big thing that we see in a home is medications um, and I'm sure I will talk, touch on that a little more in depth here in a little bit um, weakness and poor balance chronic conditions such as Parkinson's heart disease um, those are huge factors and uh, risk falling um, talking with your family regularly is huge as well so if if you're if you're living alone and you're feeling feeling like you're experiencing any lightheadedness or any change of condition, um, having those conversations with your trusted loved ones and your friends, um, calling your family members and asking those tough questions. Um, Something else to think about that doesn't necessarily come to mind um, when you are thinking about a fall risk is um, incontinence. And someone having the urgency to use the bathroom, um, and them standing from their lift chair or their couch or their bed and trying to get to the bathroom quickly, um, that that is something that is, is huge in the home that we need to be very careful for. Um, so you know, understanding that we need to have not necessarily less urgency, um, but taking our time in the movements that we're making. Um, foot problems is something that's huge. Um, So wearing appropriate footwear. Um, As you mentioned earlier, Mary, your grippy socks are very important, Um, but also, Number one, something I really, really want to hone in on is using proper ambulation equipment. Um, so, using a walker, reminders to using a walker or a cane, uh, transferring properly. Um, that's something that is very, very important. Not only for uh, the the care the individual receiving care but for the caretaker as well Um, we both can experience a fall if we're not transferring someone properly Um, and something that we can combat that with is utilizing your resources in the community calling your senior centers saying hey do you have any classes on transferring assistance um, or do you know any resources in the community that i can utilize so i can better educate myself for a fall risk Um, those are those are all really great examples um, as to what major major fall risks
2: and common cause causes of falls are that we're seeing on a regular basis that's so helpful i want to go back you you briefly touched on medication how can medications increase the risk of falls? So there's
3: there's lots of reasons um, that medications can play you know, a very large factor. Um, number one, I feel like medications in older adults, we're, we're treating a lot of symptoms, we're treating a lot of underlying diseases, we're treating um, sleep issues, we're treating uh, depression issues all of these all of these medications are going to contribute to how someone's feeling on a regular basis or it's going to contribute to how their body is reacting to these medications Um, so continuing to have open and honest conversations with family members and primary care physicians Um, though you may be seeing multiple doctors it's very important to have one doctor who is up to date on all of the medications that you're taking, and being able to sit down with the doctor or the nurse practitioner or the PA, and having a conversation and really analyzing what what medications you're on, and are we are we interfering with one another? Um, are all of the medications that are being taken at this point necessarily something that need to be utilized? Are we taking more of a dosage than we should be? Um, so having a having a team around you, um, you know, a, a village around you that can help you understand the medication that you're taking um, is very, very important. Um, Examples of medications that are going to be affecting um, someone's someone's overall capability of um, their balance um, are are benzos. Um, so these are going to include um, you know things that are that are truly messing messing with the the brain system and how. The brain system is going to work. Um, prescription sedatives, so things that are going to help you sleep or um, nerve blockers. Those are two big examples of um, common causers of just having someone feel disoriented. Um, antipsychotics, um, those are something that we see that are used in dementia and Alzheimer's patients. Um, so it's, these, these patients are already having issues with their balance um, and their ambulation. So adding medication on top of that is going to bring them to be a, a, a higher risk. Um, so an example of a medication that we see um, used in sundowning is Seroquel. Um, that's something that, yes, it, it is going to help The patient help the client overall in their demeanor Um, it's going to bring them back to their baseline um, but it's also something to keep in mind that we're going to we're going to have to watch this person um, more than more than usual because if this person is trying to get up and um, walk to the bathroom then their balance is truly going to be thrown off um a mood stabilizer as well, um, antidepressants, which I already touched on, uh, opioids, narcotics um, to treat pain management. Um, so, you know, <laughs> this, it, it kind of sounds, um, it, this does not sound proactive at all, but if we think about if we've had a fall and we have broken a hip, we are most likely going to be prescribed a pain medicine. So we're going to be prescribed an, an opioid. So the likelihood of being disoriented and not as um, confident on our feet to treat our pain is, is going to be the cause of taking a pain medicine. Um, so as, as we're helping one thing, we're hindering something else. Um, so there's also over-the-counter medications such as, um, you know, Um, sleep medicines or um, allergy medications that all can play into different factors that can affect the prescriptions that are being taken. Um, So it it really is just holding holding yourself accountable, holding the doctors accountable for um, really taking the time to go over your medications with you uh, and just being one step ahead of, of a fall, pre- pre- fall prevention.
1: Yeah, that's great advice, Channing, because uh, I think so much uh, of the time when we talk about fall prevention, we th- we're thinking of physical objects uh, that we may actually trip on, but the medication side of it is is a very important piece that uh, I don't think we think about a whole lot, so I'm glad you mentioned that. We're speaking with Channing Pizzuto. Channing is the Director of Community Relations for Always Best Care, Senior Services, and— We're going to continue our conversation on falls and fall prevention right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF
0: News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters,
1: care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to head on over to transitionslifecare.com. Dot org transitionslifecare.org i'm jason kong here with mary lucas our guest on the line is channing pazuto who is director of community relations for always best care senior services and mary who is uh, j- also joining us remotely today uh, we're having a good discussion here on falls and we're going to get into we got into a little bit of discussion on prevention but we're really going to dive into that here
2: Yes, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, when my grandfather took a fall, he was headed to the restroom. And you don't think about all the hurdles from here to there when, you know, you're not on additional medication or or dealing with some mobility issues. And I think it's really important for us to go back to some of the room safety tips, Um, bathroom, living room, kitchen, bedroom. Channing, can you talk to us a little bit about how you can reduce your risk with some room safety tips? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, So again, number one is utilizing your walker, your cane, um, your proper form of transfers um, when you are getting up to ambulate. Um, So in the bedroom, around the kitchen, around the living room, a big a big tip is cleaning up clutter, making sure that we don't have unnecessary objects in the way. Um, So going through each morning's magazine or newspaper that's been delivered, making sure that we're cleaning that up on a regular basis. Also, uh, removing trip hazards, again, I know we touched on that earlier, but making sure that unnecessary rugs have been removed from the home, making sure that furniture um, is not in our regular walkways. Especially in bathrooms, something that is very important to have is the installation of grab bars and handrails. Um, and this is this could be varied to each person. So this is going to be something that c- can truly be tailored to someone. So having grab bars in the right spots in the bathroom, at the right heights in the bathroom, um, having a raised toilet seat in the bathroom is um, is so convenient um, and so much easier to to get on and off of for our. Our seniors. Um, so a lot of times we see toggling back and forth um, from a sitting position to a standing position. Um, and the the bathroom is a very scary place to fall with tile floors, um, close corners that we can hit our heads on. Um, so bathrooms are where I feel like safety needs to be a, a huge focus. Um, those grab bars, the raised toilet seat. Um, if you if you do insist on having a bathroom rug in, in the area, making sure it's non-slip. Um, falls in the shower are, are huge. Um, they're very scary. Um, so having a shower bench in the shower, um, a handheld shower head is, is so convenient. Um, and, you know, that way you are able to uh, get all areas of the body adequately cleaned, but you're also sitting in your shower. Shower bench, um, and you're able to reach all necessary areas because you have a handheld showerhead. Um, those are those are very big um, key factors in remaining free of free of falls. Uh, we mentioned um, having the light right lighting in the home, um, so making sure we have uh, all of our lights turned on when we get up to go use the bathroom at nighttime. time. Um, also wearing the proper shoes and the proper, um, grippy socks. Um, something else that we don't talk about on a regular basis is, um, utilizing one level of the home that may sound like baffling and it may sound super frustrating uh, for, for some of our family members uh, because we live in a two-story home. Uh, we want to utilize our home. We want to utilize our regular. We want to we maintain the lifestyle that we have maintained for the 30 or 40 years that we, li- we have lived in our, our two-story home. Um, but guess what? Going up and down the stairs is such a huge factor. Um, if we are bringing down a, a hospital bed um, and having it in our, a room on the main level where, you know, in your dining room that you're not utilizing on a regular basis, um, a hospital bed has the grab bars on the side. Um, typically, you're able to lift yourself up so you can swing your legs over the bed easily um, to to go ahead and get a solid, solid ground when you're ready to get up and, um, make your way to the bathroom or get yourself up for the day. Um, the, that is, that's a big, that's a big deal. Um, again, living on one level may sound, may sound very frustrating for some, um, but it is just, it's overcoming, um, that tough conversation with yourself and your family members in making the decision as to is, is my health and my, my life more important than the, the regular lifestyle that I'm used to. Um, moving more carefully through the home. So just just being more conscious of walking slowly um, where you're walking at nighttime. So again, turning on the lights adequately. Um, and then you know having having cameras in the home. Um, so this also may sound a little silly, just as silly as the living on the one level, um, but working in the senior industry and having these conversations with family on a regular basis, these are things that I like to recommend. Um, so having cameras camera in the home. Um, so if mom or dad, or if a grandparent lives in the home by themselves, um, that if you can check in, it may not have to be in every single room of the home, but in the main living area in a bedroom, that way you can just peep in, you know, every so often throughout the day and okay, well, grandpa's in his recliner. We know he's good to go. Um, i also have a family that utilizes um, a type of motion detector in the home. That way, um, the, the individual still feels like they have their privacy, but there's still a way of monitoring the motion. So um, the the example as to why they utilize this resource and chose this resource is because if there's a lack of motion Within a certain height of the home throughout the day, the family member would get an alert um, or they would, you know, they would know to call the home um, to make sure, okay, maybe we're just, we slept in late this morning versus, oh, was there a fall last night when we, when we got up to use the bathroom? Um It's 2022. We are in an age of technology. Um, Something else to think about, you know, are med alerts, life alerts. Um, And even to take it one step further to an Apple Watch, Um, an Apple Watch if you are 55 or older, we'll automatically set up a fall risk detector for you. Um, so that is something that, you know, it's hard to take off of, of your hand. Um, and it's it's always on you. It's monitoring you. Um, having a cell phone close by is nice, uh, but not not always the most realistic because I, I forget my cell phone in a different bedroom or a different room in my house. Um, so the med alert, that's, you know, being worn regularly, being reminded to be worn regularly. Um, and then I really, I really love the idea of, of the Apple Watch now. Um, it's something that can be worn on a regular basis. It can be, if you buy the right one, it can, be, it can get wet. Um, so it's something that doesn't have to be taken off. Um, and you know, it might, it might not be the most cost efficient, but again, we have to take a step back and think, um, we are really, we're paying for peace of mind. We're paying for, um, the safety of our loved one and we can't put a price on that.
1: You really can't. And that's a good tip on the technology there. Channing, if folks want to learn more about always best senior care services, what's the best way to do that?
2: Yeah,
3: so, um, we, we're very fortunate to cover a very large portion of North Carolina. Um, if you just, if you go on, if you Google it, if you Google always best care senior services, North Carolina, um, you'll see the different locations, uh, such as Greensboro, Guilford County, Alamance County, Chapel Hill, Durham, um, all the way to Raleigh, to the coast, um, uh, all the way to the mountains. Um, so we're very fortunate to, to have a very large territory in the North Carolina state. Um, So we, it's also a simple phone call, once you go onto that website, um, we have directors and care coordinators who are so happy to talk about fall risks and how to prevent it and offer so many other resources to our community um, in, in navigating through the life of our seniors.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Channing. Channing Pizzuto has been our guest, Director of Community Relations for Always Best Care Senior Services. Thank you so much for your time today, Channing. Yep, thank you. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic.
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong.
1: Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic, good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing well. I've, my puppy got adopted.
1: Oh, Woo-hoo! very. So how long did you have the puppy?
4: I've had him, well, he's still with me. So okay. we've got a couple, we've got about a week more, but he he's moving to Washington D.C., which is so exciting.
1: Oh like um, a capital city dog. Just just <laughs> in time for election season. That's Exactly. A, that's wonderful. And <laughs> of course you foster puppies and yes. all dogs of all ages, uh you're, you're got a heart of gold, Mary, so (laughs)
4: um,
1: I'm glad to hear that this puppy found a new home. Yes,
4: he's very excited.
1: (laughs) Well, we are excited for our guest on the show today, and we're going to be having a conversation about caregiving, and we're going to learn about a particular person's journey, and that person is Julia Freifeld. Julia is an author and artist, and we're going to be talking a lot about her story and her upcoming book. Julia, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Thank you for having me. Thank
4: you. Thank you for coming on the show and being willing to talk about your journey. Maybe let's start off right at the beginning. Where, how did you become a caregiver and what was your caregiving journey about? And I I know you have a book coming out soon. So start us there and tell us a little bit about the title of your book and where did that come from?
5: Okay, well, I'll start with the title. Uh, Well, maybe I'll go back and start with my husband was diagnosed with a rare neurodegenerative disease called multiple system atrophy in 2011, but he had symptoms for about six, seven years before that. And I became his full-time caregiver. It's a rare disease. It's an orphan disease because it is like three in a hundred thousand people. And so uh, there was, uh, it's terminal it's, it is um, there's no remission and there's no cure at this time so I quickly went into my journal writing mode and that journal eventually became my book and the title the title comes from a conversation Mark and I had with the hospice chaplain mm. mark was a hospice mark was a hospice patient for sixteen months and he was given a team that visited our home, our family, uh, twice a week. It was a nurse, the chaplain, and a social worker. So during one of those visits with the chaplain, Mark started talking about his funeral mm-hmm. arrangements. And I asked Mark whether he was scared of anything. He answered in his way, a matter of fact, And trying for that bit of humor that we always were trying to reach for when I pass, I won't know I'll be in a casket. He said, Mm -hmm. but he continued and he said he tried not to think about what he'd miss in the future. That made him too sad. Mm. Then the chaplain looked at me and she said to me, Julia, what are you scared of? And I cried. I said, I'm scared when Mark won't be here. I know I'll be strong. I know life goes on, but it's an awful thing to figure out how to be okay. Mark, at that moment, Mark looked into my eyes and he said, we're in each other's bones. Uh. I did not know that those words would become the book title. It was years later that I realized how perfect those words were. Wow.
4: Uh, you've got me in tears over here. That's, that is um, a really special moment, and I, I can imagine a very difficult one for you all. Um, what was the biggest lesson you learned? You had quite a long caregiving journey. What is the biggest lesson you learned from everything that you went through?
5: <laughs> well, that's a hard question um, because I learned dozens of lessons. I was on, I used to say, a constant learning curve, one after another, Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a few here I'll uh, uh, mention, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, After Mark's diagnosis, I became his full-time caregiver, and pretty quickly I learned the future will have to take care of itself, because my goal was to remain in the present Mm-hmm. And that was, a re- that was a really new way of thinking for both of us. My, mar- uh, my husband was a businessman. He always had to have his eye on the future. And raising children and being a busy family, you're always thinking about what you have to do next. But caring for a spouse with a terminal illness handed me two jobs. One was taking care of Mark. The other, this is the big one, finding my separate self. Mm. Who, who am I without mar- without Mark without a husband, without a father for my children. I had to reach out for support from family, friends, the hospice team. I was pushed to handle much more than I thought I was capable of handling. Because I always viewed myself as independent, totally self sufficient in any situation. But this this I couldn't this situation I could not figure out by myself. So hmm. big another big learning curve. Another big learning curve was changing my thinking from hoping for a cure, which we both did for years, to accepting the fact that Mark's disease had no cure.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: To, uh, on, the, on the last note, I'd say, but my family, so I have three children. Two of them at that time had partners. My mother-in-law was living nearby. She was part of this journey too. And so I think what we all had to learn I wrote in my book, and I'll read this part from my book. By the fall of twenty thirteen, we were days away from our first grandchild being born. While at the same time, Mark was moving every day closer to death. Our family was learning the hard way too, as Francis Weller wrote, carry grief in one hand and gratitude in the other.
4: Wow. Wow, I, that is, um, you know, a very pivotal pivotal moment in your life from multiple angles: being a parent, being um, a daughter, being a spouse of uh, someone with a terminal illness. It must have been very difficult. You mentioned your journaling routine. Is that something you've always done? I've, I've just started journaling, so that's intriguing to me. Um, what was your journaling routine throughout this time, and uh, have you always kept a journal?
5: Well, I began writing in a diary when I was around 14. And in those days, actually, it was called Diaries, Not Journals. Mm-hmm. I, continued, I, I continued on and off throughout college, but then stopped altogether. Um, but pretty soon... After Mark's symptoms began around 2006, I found myself reaching for a pen and starting to write in a composition notebook. And I wrote frequently during his illness. I'd write day or night, whenever I could scoot away from caregiving. And I'd write down my dreams. Some of those dreams were nightmares. And I started composing poems. It was where, in a journal, as you may now know, you swear you unload all your feelings and you don't worry about grammar i didn't punctuation i could write and write and write I i find it very freeing and it was a release all those pent-up emotions But i didn't want to share with mark necessarily it was my place to express my private thoughts and on the topic of the journals i was not planning on turning my journals into my memoir, that came years later. And that process, actually, turning my journals into a book, took 12 years. Wow. <laughs> oh. FYI.
1: <laughs> Julia, what what was the—I mean, you didn't plan to do this book, but what was it like going back through those journal entries for the first time?
5: Well, you know, it was really interesting to do that because— um, like I said, those journals, I didn't know what I was going to do with them. I thought I might burn them, actually. I thought, no one's going to read this. This is way too personal, way too sad. Um, it's For the moment, journaling can sometimes just be for that moment. You just need to unload somewhere, and you don't want to unload on a person. So you, your journal takes the beating. Um, and But when I decided to turn this into a book, into a memoir, that maybe I have something here someone else could learn from, I had to revisit those painful times and it was okay it was okay it was sad but it was okay and so i found it well the process actually i'd write i put down the book for about a year that's why it took 12 years i would take time off spend a few months writing stop again pick up stop it was during covid in 2020 live by myself. I'm alone. That book is there on my computer. I have no reason not to continue and finish. So I'm a finisher. I don't like to leave things half done. So I thought this is my time. This is the blessing in this, you know, (laughs) COVID time. I could finish a book. And I did.
1: Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. And I, I know it had to have been difficult, and luckily you had that time in circumstances that we, we didn't exactly foresee and certainly didn't want, but uh, I'm glad you were able to accomplish this. We've got more questions for Julia Freifeld. She's the author of in each other's bones and she's also an artist as well and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98 5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome
1: back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, all the resources available there, be sure to go to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Julia Freifeld. Julia is an artist and also author of the book In Each Other's Bones. It is a memoir of her caregiving journey with her husband, who was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and she kept a journal of uh, everything that was going on in her feelings, and we're, we're just diving back into that now, Mary.
4: Yes, absolutely. I, I want to go back to your relationship with Mark and the, and the things that happened throughout his illness. Julia, talk to us a little bit about how your relationship changed over the course of his terminal illness and everything that you all were going through. Okay. As,
5: as Mark's health declined, of course, our relationship changed. Intimacy was different, and our future was precarious.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I wanted, this is where the push pull was. I wanted to remain his wife and not solely his nurse. We were hand in hand, we were gentle. And early on in my journal, I wrote this. We would be kind. We would laugh. I wanted Mark and me to lift each other up and remain a light for the other. Mm. The grieving process is what altered our relationship. I learned when someone dies suddenly, the grief work happens after their death. It is the opposite when someone is sick over a long period of time, and Mark was ill over 10 years. I This is such a, a new thing. I began grieving Mark while he was alive mm. because there were these losses each day with the type of neurodegenerative disease Mark had. Over time, he lost, gradually, he lost his ability to walk, to swallow, and talk. About a year before Mark passed, I wrote in my journal, I had to uncouple so nothing could break my heart more. I was pulling away and preparing for a life without Mark. I had to let go of feeling safe and protected, being touched, having conversations, and sharing experiences both outside and inside our home. Once Mark was no longer able to eat solid foods, I ate my meals alone in the kitchen before joining him for the evening. I felt the space between us enlarge and an emptiness took over.
4: Mm. That is, that is really, um, powerful. I, 10 years is a long journey, um, to slowly watch a decline and, and watch somebody through this illness. So I can't imagine all of the feelings that you were feeling as you uh, slowly, um, as things were changing over that time period, I want to kind of transition now a little bit to after Mark's passing. Um, You've been journaling, you had been grieving for quite a while. At what point did you realize that you were ready to move on? And um, after his passing and and the grieving period that you had, which was so long over this time period of his illness, and have you— begin dating or anything else since then (laughs) let's get personal
5: (laughs) okay well this is nice to talk about well first first this is a good place to say that by writing and completing my book it allowed me to manage my life better Mm. it is how I became who I am now I was able to let go of that enormous pain of loss and make room for a new start a new life and for love to enter So a year after Mark passed away, I moved into my new home because I wanted a new start and I knew a new home would kind of symbolize that. Mm -hmm. I moved in and I noticed I was lonely. The epilogue in my book is the funny and poignant story of my online dating experiences. (laughs) And I date, (laughs) I, I mean, just my gosh that's all i can tell you Um, i I dated i dated actually quite a bit and that story um in march of 2021 so about 20 months ago i met my current boyfriend he i have to shout out to him he is wonderful and he is what i tell him all the time he is my now
4: oh that is really special and I can't I, I can imagine what an amazing support he is for you and understanding everything that you've been through and um, and, and where you are now
5: it, it you know he's a, a widower mm-hmm. and um, so ex- that's exactly true because he and I can share our caregiving stories mm-hmm. his wife was sick for ten years but um, we share that as part of a bonding, actually, I think that goes on. And we can talk about our spouses. We love them. We, they're part of our lives at times and that's all, all good.
4: Oh, that's very special. So mm-hmm. you, you talked a little bit about poems and writing poems. How is poem writing different for you from a journal entry and how you are expressing um, all, everything that you were feeling?
5: Yeah, you know, that journal writing is different for each person that writes in a journal.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: My writing style for a journal is fast and stream of consciousness. I, like I said, I don't stop and correct punctuation. I don't care about the grammar. It's about getting the emotions out and on paper. So my journals—the one thing that made it hard to trans—you know—to transfer over to an, a book form—is that journals are repetitive it's a bunch of run-on sentences (laughs) totally out of sequence I'd write it was all over the place writing a poem it's like writing a dream Mm. it's metaphor symbolism fluidity colors snapshot imagery one poem in my book is called moonlight it was fun to write because it actually originally was a two-page chapter I kept editing and editing that chapter until I realized, oh, it's a poem. And and I, I don't think I have a favorite poem. I like all my poems that are in the book. Some are sad and some are thoughtful. There are seven poems in my book, and they just express different moments, either from my caregiving journey or after Mark's passing.
4: That's awesome. Do you have a favorite poem that you'd like to share?
5: I could. I could. I thought about that. might come up, and I had I too. I thought about. Um, I might. I might read. Let me find it. It's, I might read Moonlight because I just mentioned it actually, and so that way you could you could that boy. This is like a two page chapter, <laughs> but now it's about a fifteen line poem. And this is a poem. Oh yeah. Um, this is after Mark passed away. About six months later, I was alone in the middle of the night, and I woke up and started writing. And this is what became a poem. It's called Moonlight. Awakened by moonlight through my window. I stepped out of bed and opened the shutters. The sky is black, the full moon, luminous, a high beam, glaring, blaring white. I stare at the moon and think of Mark. The moon begins to grow like a dream. Amid dancing stars, its whiteness cold against the dark sky. I watch the moon sink into tall trees. Soon it's gone, erased by early sunlight. The sun is warm and demanding, erasing my reverie.
4: Wow, that is really powerful. One more question for you, and you mentioned your ch- children briefly in their part of this journey. How do your children feel about
2: being in your book? Okay, well, um, here in their own words are their answers. <laughs> <laughs> David, <laughs> David
5: is my youngest. He's thirty-one, married. He lives in Seattle with his wife Elena. And th- these are his words: I loved reading my mom's book. It's beautiful. And heartbreaking. Her fearless and poetic writing style glides from memories to dreams that are both difficult and soothing. Her book reflects my dad's humor, courage, and grace. It also makes clear how much he loved us and how little he wanted to leave his life. Her book shows how balanced and inspiring their marriage was I miss being around their marriage. Reading my name in her book was as surreal as it was grounding. It brought me right back to those distant times. Above all, I'm proud of my mom's dedication and courage to share her story. My mom has always lived her life with courage, strength, love, and joy. I'm proud to be her son. Um, And then my next, my son, Jeremy lives in Cary, North Carolina with his wife, Jen and two children. And he wrote, Often, a parent controls how much is revealed to the children, and understandably so. So it's a unique gift to read my mom's book. In some respects, it feels like I got a hold of her personal journal, beautifully written and honest journal, that gives me a deeper understanding of my mom's experience with my dad's illness, and in turn, an even deeper, an even deeper level of appreciation for her as a person, not only because of the substance of the book, but also because of the act itself of writing and promoting the book and her commitment to sharing her story. It unquestionably requires courage, and I know my dad would be incredibly proud of her as, I, as am I. And then last, my daughter Emily, she lived in Raleigh with her husband James and two children. My mom's book is a beautiful telling of a chapter in our family's history. She is the main character and she shares the story of her resilience, courage and creativity. But she also includes my voice, my brother's voices, my husband, sister-in-law, the AIDS, and other family members. By incorporating all those voices, she also shares how grief and illness affect a whole family how it takes a village to lift each other up and continue living during our hardest moments. I love that we have this book for me and my siblings and our kids.
1: Yeah, that's that's incredible, Julia. And you know, the, the two <laughs> words from your children that really stand out to me are, are beautiful and fearless, uh, from what mm-hmm. you just read. I, I I think that's the perfect way to describe uh our conversation with you today and, and this wonderful book, In Each Other's Bones. Julia, how can folks get a hold of this book?
5: Well, okay, a couple ways. It's on Amazon and I just have to say it's the number one bestseller
2: on Amazon
5: in, in three categories. Wow. So that's incredible. I just, had, I just had to say, it's only been out a couple of weeks. And um, I it, so you can get it on Amazon. Or, you know, if you live where there's an independent bookstore, like in Raleigh, we have Quillridge books. So if you're in Durham, you have The Regulator. They can order the books for you.
2: Mm-hmm. And
5: it's always nice to support our local independent bookstores. And third thing I want to mention, I'm having a book reading, my first ever book reading at Quail Ridge Books, November 12th at 2 p.m.
4: Wow, that's awesome.
1: Wonderful. Well, yes. Julia, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, congratulations to you on your success. The book is In Each Other's Bones. She is Julia Freifeld, she's the author and also an artist. If you, if you do get the book, look at the cover. It's, uh, uh, the, the artwork on there is done by Julia as well, so you can tell that she's super talented. Julia, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for being so open and candid with us. We really appreciate it.
5: My total pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, it's our pleasure as well. And again, congratulations, and we hope that uh, it's a continued success for you. That'll do it for us today. We're out of time. Don't forget, go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast section, find Aging Matters if you want to catch up on shows, or head over to transitionslifecare.org to find more information about Transitions Life Care. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News, Talk, Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.